We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today by podcasting cousin from across the pond, the captain of the Taylor gang, the one and only Adam Taylor. What's going on, Adam? Yo, what's popping, man? How you doing? How you living? I love that. I love that intro. How you going? How's it going? <laughs> try, to, try to bring the energy in here, man. It's playoff week. You know, the Celtics, we now have an opponent. We know that the Celtics will be playing the Atlanta Hawks this upcoming weekend. So real quick for everybody listening, here's the plan for today. Me and Adam, we're going to jump into the play-in that happened last night, Atlanta versus Miami. We'll jump into what went wrong, what we were all expecting and just ultimately did not happen. We'll start to preview the Hawks against the Celtics for this upcoming weekend. And then the second half of this, we got a little bit of an award show going for y'all. So Greg and I, if you've been following along here, we've been doing the All-NBA Awards quarter by quarter, tracking the differences throughout the season. So we have our one finalized Green with Envy All-NBA list coming up here at the end of the podcast. But Adam, let's jump into a little bit of this play-in game last night. So the Atlanta Hawks beat the Miami Heat on the road as the eight seed to steal the seven seed from the Miami Heat, 116 to 105. And we are as guilty as any show out there. And there's a lot of shows out there that were just as guilty as us where, and in fact, you know what? I made a faux pas. So we recorded the all NBA segment of this the day before. You'll hear my faux pas where I sound like a real ass at the end of this, where I actually even say, get ready for more Celtics heat coverage coming up this week. I, I quickly correct myself, but much like many shows, we kind of expected the heat to come out with this, come out with a win and be coming to Boston on Saturday. But instead we're getting the Atlanta Hawks. What, what were your thoughts about that game last night? And, and the Hawks really were, you know, they were up by double digits for a good portion of it. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm still working my way through. Um, I woke up and there was just so much coverage I needed to hit. Um, so I hit that as much as I could. So, you know, it's out of the way. I'm there for when everybody wakes up. I have seen bits of it. I think for me, the, the biggest kind of takeaway is the heat. All, for all the talk of the heat being gold, it's all true. Right? So <laughs> yeah. 
Miami are definitely a team that have tried to have consistently rebuilt on the fly, done a really good job of it. And now all of a sudden, Father Time's just like, nope, no more rebuilding on the fly. It's time to blow it up. Y'all have got to go back to basics. Jimmy Butler, yeah, okay. I think he kind of shot himself in the foot with that, um, you know, guaranteeing a victory over Atlanta. Trey yeah, Trey, Trey Young didn't like that. I, I didn't even realize Jimmy had, had made a guarantee. But yeah, I know Trey called that out in the postgame presser. Yeah, and then Carl Lowry played some type of Carl I mean, Lowry. Kyle Lowry had a throwback game last yeah. night. He dropped 33 points last night. I mean, he was one of the few, you know, members of the Heat that that actually showed up. You know, I've I've been saying a lot. He's no longer Kyle Lowry. He he was a, an older version of of Kyle Lowry last night in the good way. Yeah, he was good. I think that he still looks a step slow. Defensively, he he isn't the Carl Lowry that he used to be. And as scary as it is, I think we're only three or four years away from saying similar things about Marcus Smart. Um, you know, I think that that's fair. Four, five years, maybe. But yeah, that's it, it, it just depends on how his body holds up, right? That's Sorry true, if you fair. can hear my dog barking in the background. Um, what up, Henry? I, yeah, he's somewhere around doing whatever he's doing. Other than that, I wasn't too shocked to see that they that the Hawks won in terms of the way they played, right? So they definitely kind of fed Trey where they needed to. DeJounte Murray was really good. Um, he's he's somebody that I'm really keeping an eye on for this Celtics matchup. Just because, you know, I wrote about this in Celtics blog today and we can touch on it a bit more in a bit. But I, I pulled the numbers, so they've matched up twice, uh, which is DeJounte Murray and Jalen Brown. For a total of 12 minutes and 30 seconds over two games, he's held Brown to six points and Brown to zero or four shooting from deep. I think uh, Murray was originally brought into Atlanta to be that guy to provide defense next to Trey. I think he played well against Miami, dealing with yeah. what Miami had. But Miami just doesn't have the perimeter threats that you need to be able to start cooking guys that have Trey Young in the rotation. Um I just think their roster is just completely flawed at the moment. So looking back on it, maybe we were just crediting Miami for Miami of the past rather than Miami yeah. now. But man, I, I think that was some of my takeaways too, is as I was watching the game was, why were we afraid of this team? Why, why did we think that this team had a chance to to beat us? You know, it, it, it was just very clear that they didn't have, they just didn't have enough, enough depth, enough top tier talent. And we kind of started to touch on this towards towards the end of the season of, of realizing what we thought or what we anticipated could be the Celtics matchup. And, you know, it, last night you got, you know, Jimmy didn't have his playoff Jimmy game. That was the one thing that I think we all kind of held on to. And Jimmy just wasn't there. And it's a one game sample size. So that's the danger of the play in, right? Just one game throughout a series. Do I expect he could have got it back against the Hawks and maybe made a difference potentially, but that's not the scenario that they, that they put themselves in. And then last night they got a classic, one of those. And we saw this in the, you know, conference finals last year. One of those games where it's just, that's all I'm getting from Bam on offense. Bam had some really great defensive moments. He he really in that second quarter and beginning of the third quarter when Miami got back in the game, uh, it was a little bit of Kyle Lowry. It was Tyler Hero attacking Trey Young in to start the second half, and it was Bam on defense. Those were kind of the three things that allowed them to to get back in for a stretch in between the end of the second and middle of the third. But offensively, it's just bam. What this is still all I'm getting from you as my number two guy. It's just not good enough. It's just it's not enough. It's not good enough. And we saw that a lot of times, you know, in the conference finals. And now when you have, like we talked about, not enough talent around, this is what happens. The Hawks go plus 18 on the boards. They go 26 to 6, second chance points. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, Adam, I was watching this game. My final takeaway is I don't think either of those teams were very good. 
So I know as we transition into the Celtics Hawks here, I'm feeling pretty good about this matchup. You talked about, you already started writing about this as an article up right now uh, about some key matchups on Celtics blogs that Adam put out there. What's your general feeling now that now that we know come Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern inside TD Garden, it's going to be Celtics versus Hawks. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I'm confident. So I put it out on Twitter earlier today. Like, I'm expecting a gentleman sweep in this game. I don't expect it to go any further than five games. And the reason I'm expecting, uh, I was about to say Miami, you see how ingrained it is in this. We've been thinking that way for so long. It's really hard to rework. We have some guests that are coming up later in the week, and I was doing some notes. I actually already put heat in the notes, so I had to go back (laughs) this morning and change it from heat to hawks before we send it to our guests. I mean, it's so easy, man. Honestly, it's like, um, so when I was looking at it kind of this morning, I was like, right, Trey Young is, he's struggled from the field this year. There's no way around it, right? He's a high-frequency guy, but his accuracy just hasn't been there. He's majoritarily done a lot of his shooting from the mid-range this year, which mm-hmm. is, like I was quite shocked to see. I haven't watched a ton of Hawks basketball. Um, so, yeah, I was expecting you know maybe a sweep, but Trey Young's always capable of going off for 50, winning you a game. You've got John Collins there that matches up well against Boston. I'm expecting a gentleman sweep, but I think it's going to be a shootout. But the, the Atlanta's not going to be able to stop the Celtics. The question is, can the Celtics figure out their defense quickly enough to be able to stop Atlanta? Now, I'd like Boston to come out and win game one. I think that should be a statement game, not just for this series, but for the entire playoffs. Like, yo, we smoked them, absolutely cooked them, and then it's done, right? And then you just start, you build off that momentum, feed off that win, and try and get this over as quick as possible. I really don't want to be going deep into playoff series against teams that you should be sweeping. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you think it's going to be a gentleman suit. I think there's exactly two ways that this series plays. I'm going into my Doctor Strange mode here, but I've played out all the scenarios, and there's not just one. I think there's two ways the series plays out. I think it's either just a straight-up sweep and a beatdown. I think that's option number one. Yeah. That's obviously what we prefer. You come out, take care of business. Option number two is did the Celtics let you know the narrative that we thought was going to happen did they let that seep into their heads? Were they expecting Miami? I mean, we've played Miami in the conference finals two out of the last three years. That's a robbery. That's a that's one that you you can see them getting their minds around and getting up for. What's one thing that we've seen pretty consistently from this team this year is they do have a tendency to let their guard down. They yeah. have a tendency to come out a little bit flat if they're if they're not you know psyching themselves up properly. And I kind of hate talking in, in this manner of you know coming with the right energy and effort because that's you know it's very subjective. It's a, it's a, yeah, and it's a trope, right? Exactly. All exactly. the time. Yeah, I get it. But, it but, but, is, but we have seen them just fall flat in games that it's like they have no business losing, and it's why they're not the one seed is because they had that happen too many times yeah. this year. So I'm with you that this game, this series is going no longer than five. But if it's a gentleman sweep, like you say. I actually think the game that they're the most vulnerable for is game one coming up here on Saturday. And I think we've seen that in other series in years past. You think of a lot of those Orlando Magic teams that had the Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic. They always felt like they would steal game one from Toronto or from Milwaukee. And then they would get dominated, dominated. for four straight games. So I could I could absolutely see that playing out for the Celtics. So I think game one is their most vulnerable. Game. If they come out with the right, you know, mindset. And like you said, just make a statement. I don't think there's any turning back in this series. I, I think once that happens, 
once the you know it once the you know the the light is switched on i don't think there's any turning it off and so i think the celtics will roll but that game one i do think there is a little bit of of let's see how they approach it but you, you went through some matchups here in your in your article today adam tell me a little bit about you mentioned the dejounte murray jalen brown one is there is there any matchup you see because i'm i'm honestly been struggling to figure out wh- where the hawks even have an advantage in this yeah. series and to lean into and, and yeah what 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 have you found so I think the DeJounte Murray one is probably one of their stronger matchups just because him and Jalen Brown have cancelled each other out for uh, this season when facing off against each other. Murray's a great defender. Brown's a great offensive guy. Brown's also a good enough defender to be able to limit what Murray can do defensively. I mean, offensively. So they're gonna. that's going to be an important matchup. I'm really curious who they're going to put on Tatum. And I kind of yeah. alluded to it in the article, right? Like, I just don't know. It's Tatum versus everybody at this point. It's whoever you're going to throw on him at any of any given matchup. I genuinely don't think they have a Tatum stopper, right? No. I think that DeAndre Hunter might be the guy that they try the most just because of the size, the athleticism he's got. Other than that, I don't know. So I think Jalen gonna... Johnson a little bit. I'm just yeah. thinking of size, athleticism. It's... I mean, it, John it's Collins, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, I just don't know where the advantage comes from in the front court. Clint Capella, I've kind of said, like, you know, him and Rob Williams is going to be a key matchup, but it's very easy to kind of counteract that by just staggering Williams' minutes against Capella's and then running a five out and dragging Capella out of the paint. Now where's Capella's advantage? Because he's, yeah. he's a rim protector. If he's guarding on the perimeter, he's cooked. And then defensively, you're going to be rebounding by committee. You're going to be throwing smalls at him, making him try and deal with guys underneath his hips. So I don't really see an advantage at the big man spot especially if you do stagger Rob and Capella. Yeah, if you put them together. Sorry, Real quick, sorry. I just want to jump in there because I think this is a huge point that we've touched on a lot throughout the season, right? About how actually this is where Rob coming off the bench is a huge asset, right? Yeah. And and splitting them up because you look at this team and I I like a Kongu. I like Capella. But they're guys that are going to use their athleticism and they're going to live around the rim and deter shots and, and be rebounders. But when you're spread out, in that in that you know that five out offense with Al, or even if you're four out and one in with with Rob setting screens and rolling, they've got to make really tough decisions that are going to lead them susceptible either to Al Horford, who shot 44% from three-point range, second in the NBA this year, getting open shots, or ideally if Rob's out there. You're going to have them making tough decisions to to disconnect from from Rob's body, and you're going to have alley oop opportunities for Rob Williams. Yeah, and this is where it's going to come from, right? Like, if you look at Atlanta's bench, there's just no one. I don't know. Like, if you stagger Rob and you give them, you create lab opportunities. And I'm looking at their bench now. Bruno Fernando, Fernando isn't going to be able to do much, right? Uh, I'm I'm kind of scrolling through who else is going to play the big position. Akangwu, you've just mentioned Jalen Johnson. You mentioned there's some size for Jalen. Sorry for Jason. I mean, Akangwu is good, but he's not athletic. He's a, he's an underground. He's a grounded big. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's strong and he's positionally great, like in terms of like knowing how to angle his body. But there's nothing there. Like, it's I'd, thin, man. It's it's thin on the big man side when they when they. I mean, their their bench in general just there's nothing scares me about the Hawks. You know, there, there's nothing that jumps out the page. We know that you know Trey Young can get hot. Dejounte, we respect. I'm not a huge John Collins guy. He's just fine. He just doesn't he doesn't move the needle needle for me all that much. He's fine. It, it, but there's nothing on the Hawks that jumps out to you as man. That could be trouble, and that's where I think this is. This is a very lopsided matchup. No, no matter which angle 
I try to look at it. I can't see a world in which in which the Hawks are able to pull this upset. Yeah, so John Collins to me is a really solid piece if you're playing a team that lacks perimeter bigs like defensive perimeter bigs, right? Coming up against Boston, they're designed to deal with guys like him. Pick and pop, you're going to be running into a Tatum or a Brown or a Horford, or you're going to have a small that's running you off the line. So John Collins is a good threat. He's going to be able to do some stuff on the boards, but I just don't think he's enough. As you said, he's not going to move the needle. I, I think Clint Capella might be able to do a little bit here and there, but no, to me, this team, the Celtics just have too much depth, too mm-hmm. much talent, one through 13 maybe even one through 14 for for the hawks to generate any form of like advantage they yeah. can throw matchups at them they can throw systems at them but the celtics have a bit of everything they can throw Blake Griffin in there if they need somebody to just get physical and absorb some fouls. They can throw Malcolm Brogdon in there if they feel like that they need an offensive punch off the bench. If Brogdon comes in, he's not doing it. We can throw in Peyton Pritchard. If Pritchard comes in, he's not doing it. Okay, we'll go a bit bigger. We'll throw in Sam Hauser. The, the Hawks just don't have that luxury. Yeah, they don't have the versatility that we talked about recently on a past episode, right? They're, yep. they're, there's not enough versatility. And you know their, their real variance in a series is going to be Trey Young, you know, going off for 30 plus. And when you look at Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, and even the Jays, if you need to switch out onto the perimeter onto him, he, I just, he's going to get some of his counting stats, but he's going to have to do it at a high volume and it's not going to be efficient. And that's not going to be the way in which the Hawks are going to be able to, to steal a couple of victories here. Yeah. So it's it's just a tough matchup for the Hawks. I think this. I mean, honestly, let's you know, let's we can we can kind of head here and then wrap this up because we're going to dig into this series and to more of the playoffs here uh, with some upcoming episodes that we have this week. But Adam, I don't think this could have broke any better for the Celtics. We no, we've been was, talking about the path. This is we hit the jackpot. The, the, I mean, look. If you're talking about perfect matchups where you're just coming in with a clear advantage all the way across the board, no, this couldn't have broke any better. Now, the problem is with a team like Atlanta, and you touched on they could the Celtics could lose the first game coming in unprepared. I think if they're going to lose a game, it'll be the fourth. Celtics mm-hmm. are at three. They come in ready to take the sweep and then but the thing with a team like Atlanta is they don't know that they're beat. You know, if you yeah. heard if you listened to DeJounte Murray talk after the game last night, he was like Yo, the Celtics were the conference finals last year, but that was last year. I want to see what they're about this year. They're coming in with nothing to lose, and sometimes that makes life really difficult, right? Like, at least if you face Miami, they have something to lose. There's a bit of pride there. There's some matchups there that they can exploit. So while I do think this is the best break Boston could have got, I also think that this is a potential trap series that could be, you know, if you come in expecting a sweep and you, like, you might be a bit, disappointed i still expect boston to win but i just think that you know sometimes when it breaks this good for you it's not necessarily the best thing for you yeah i couldn't agree more and i think that's that's a good place for us to to wrap up this side here as i mentioned we're going to have some guests later in the week to help us break this down we've got a lot more playoff coverage to make sure that you are tuned in across all of our channels all of our personals here we are going to have y'all with a lot of content here going forward so for me and adam we're gonna take a quick break here and on the other side of this it's going to be myself it's going to be the coach greg manakis and we are going to give you our all nba awards for the 2022 2023 season see y'all this weekend we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Will. We are here riding shotgun. We got the coach of the podcast, Greg Manake, is here. You know, if you've been following along all year, we've been doing our all-NBA MVP, and we've been tracking it quarter over quarter. And, you know, now season's up, man. So we are at the finish line here. So we got to round this out with our Q4 awards. So, Greg, I did a little bit of math. So I have the averages, or basically I did a point total system of okay. what it is through the first three quarters. But before right. I get to that, tell me, just tell me a little bit, like, you know, when we get to, because this is not going to take into account this last quarter of the season, so this is through the first three quarters. As you were making your final list, how easy or difficult was it? I thought it was pretty easy because I was able to, I put my cutoff at 55 games. Um, I And then I just asked myself, which teams and which players kind of defined this season for me? So if they didn't define the season in a positive way, then they they probably aren't on my team. If they define the season in a negative way, then they're definitely not on my team. So there are a few names that we're going to get to that some people will be shocked. Other people yeah. will be like, nah, I feel you on that dog. And um, yeah, so that, that was kind of it for me. Games and team success. So I think I think our third team, we're going to have a, quite a bit of discussion surrounding exactly what you're just alluding to right there. Uh, I went with you. So I, I went with your your measure of the 55 games of, you know, what it is for this year, which real quick, I, I just got to go through this. So we know that the new CBA, it's going to be what, 65 games mm-hmm. is the cutoff. Just a quick list of guys that would be completely ineligible if that were the case right now. Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, John Morant, Anthony Davis. Giannis like that's just a small quick list and Jimmy Butler he's at 64 technically would also be ineligible for this as well so that's just a quick snapshot of guys that would be ineligible for this but for this particular exercise I did what you did 55 games was my requirement and then for my first and second team you got to at least have made the play-in nobody that didn't make the play-in you can't be on the first or second team third team that's a little bit more, all right, we'll, we'll be a little bit more subjective. We'll make some exceptions here and there so we can, we can get to that. But I, I think we're on the same level of kind of what our criteria was for this season. So Dope. going back to my, uh, to my calculation. So Greg and I, if you've been following along, we did this at the you know, Q1 mark, Q2 mark, Q3. So what I ended up doing, and I hope I did this right because I, I am no means a mathematician. So I panicked <laughs> for a minute that I didn't do the math correctly and this was just going to end up making no sense. But I think I got it right. So basically, 
what I ended up doing, and I haven't told Greg how I did this yet. So this is going to be his live reaction where he's either going to say, you're an idiot. This didn't work. And pivot, <laughs> or it worked out pretty well. And it's at least an interesting, you know, data point. So for each first team, somebody got five points for each second team. They got three for each third team. They got one point. So then basically I took our two lists at the top. So the max point you could get was 30 points and then it was everything in between that and then it would be ba- broken out by guard so if you got all 30 points throughout the first three quarters you would equal a first team selection whoa, whoa, whoa. how is 30 points because i did both of our lists so we each have oh okay lists. okay okay yeah. i was like yeah i was like dude already your math already, is just way already, off. i know i know <laughs> believe me I, I i stressed about this when i went when i was doing this this morning i was like i don't know if my brain's working but i but i feel good about it so 30 is the max points that you I like get. that okay so it, it ended up working out pretty well so here's what we have and i'm going to reveal these as we go team by team and so we're going to do the first team based on the averages then we'll give you actually what we have and we'll kind of go from there so based on the first three quarters of the season and the point totals that we've awarded so far, here would be the first team going into the final stretch of the season. Your guards, Luka Doncic and Donovan Mitchell. Your forwards, Jason Tatum, who was the only only player across the league to receive a perfect score. Don't know if that's any green with NBA <laughs> bias, but I do think that's probably the case just given the, the way everything is set up. Jason Tatum and Giannis would be your forwards and Nikola Jokic would be your center. So that's based off the averages of the first three quarters going into this, not taking into account those final 20 to 22 games of the season. So let's start in the backcourt here. The averages say it's Luca and Donovan Mitchell. Who do you have in the backcourt for the first team? I have Donovan Mitchell. Same. And then I went with SGA, I think. Let me double check. What, what did match? I write down? Yeah, I went with SGA here, man. Um, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was looking at my cue. I was looking at a, d- a different list. The wrong one. I actually went with De'Aaron Fox here. Okay. I see. So real quick, I can see the error in in you know in what you're in what you think because that that was my debate. It's but it was between the two of them for that second spot. And so one thing that I do want to do on this podcast, I want us to try to figure out what our final list is. So I want us okay. to try to come up with one list. So we both have Mitchell. So Mitchell's getting a first team All NBA spot. I thought that was a particularly easy choice. Uh, I went, you know, I, I went through, you know, some of his stats. He's averaging a career high in points per game. He literally ended the season with, I think, it was either three or four straight forty-point games before they sat him down to rest him for the postseason. You know, he's turned Cleveland from a nice young frisky team into. I don't think it's going to happen. But there's a world, especially if Chris Middleton's not Chris Middleton, they give the Bucks kind of a run for their money if Evan Mobley continues his ascension. We know Donovan Mitchell can be the scorer that you need in a playoff series to go get 30 to 40 points in big games. I wouldn't say it's likely, but there's a world in which the Cavs pull off some type of shocking upset here. And, and he's a big reason why. They're not doing that, certainly without him, but he's the reason that they even have an opportunity. So he's an easy call. Yeah, I forget exactly when we said it, but there was one point where we were talking about the playoffs where we started talking about, it was months ago. We are like, mm-hmm. what if Evan Mobley makes a leap? Like, what He's if it happens awesome. this Damn year? Stretch. He's been awesome. He's been so good. So that was something that was like when we just started to see the seedlings of Mobley and we were like, if it happened, like it could happen this playoffs. Yeah. Like it might not, but it could. And if it does happen this playoffs, then man, those Cavs are going to give the Bucks a problem. But we're talking about the NBA teams here. And yeah. Donovan Mitchell is the guy. Um, we're, I think you and I have always been higher on Mitchell than like the average mm-hmm. like NBA consumer. Like We think he is a legit star. 
Um, yeah. so he's in that top 10 to 12 range. Like I think he's back of the top 10, maybe up to like somewhere in the, him and Devin Booker for me kind of fluctuate around the same area mm-hmm. of that top 10 to 12 guys. They're, they're somewhere yeah, in that, but, but he's in that area. Coming into this year, I probably would have taken Booker over Mitchell. Um, obviously, Mitchell's had a better year and has been more healthy mm-hmm. than Booker, but I think that is probably – it's like them two and Jalen Brown are all kind of like right around the same tier. Jalen probably a tier below those guys, yeah. but like there's – any of those guys could win a head-to-head matchup in a seven-game series, I think. Yep. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. So let's go to the second spot because this is where – so you ended up going Fox. I went SGA. These are the two guys that I thought of, mm-hmm. and – I'm assuming for you, the tiebreaker was De'Aaron Fox is on three seed, SGA is on the 10 seed. Yeah, and just like the Kings narrative, the fact that they broke um, the the drought, that was huge mm-hmm. for me. Like when I think back on this season, that's one of the things I'm going to remember about this season is the Sacramento Kings being not the Kangs, but the Kings, the like the, <laughs> yeah. beam, the beam team, all that stuff. So for me, when it came down to like Fox or SGA, it's like I'm going to remember Fox probably more than I'm going to remember SGA. But I mean, who knows? Maybe like three years from now, that might sound silly. So my pitch for SGA is that, you know, Fox has another all-NBA guy on his team, right? Mm -hmm. SGA is doing this on a young team that we always talk about. What are the expectations? Now, the Kings didn't have certainly the expectations. They've exceeded expectations as well. But especially when Chet goes down, before the season ever starts, we're wondering, all right, when are the Thunder just going to start resting Shea again so that they go for go for Wemby? And they really went for it this year. You know, with that young group, they went with it, and they kind of had to just because of how good Shea was. And so we're going to talk MVP, we're going to talk centers here in a minute. Something that blew my mind today. So free throws attempted per game. Number one, Giannis, 12.3. Number two, Joel Embiid, 11.7. Not surprising. Number three in the league, Shea Gilgis Alexander, 10.9 free throw attempts per game while shooting 90%. This, I don't know. I like for me, SGA's, this has been his his definitive breakout year, right? So you talk about remembering mm-hmm. for something. For me, De'Aaron Fox has become a, a better version of what we always kind of thought was there. This became yeah. 100% clear definitive that maybe SGA is even in that Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker conversation that we were talking about. So when I look at them as players, I, I would, I would want SGA a little bit more than De'Aaron Fox, but if we got to pick between the two, how strongly do you feel about Fox over, over SGA? For making a green with envy list. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm such a De'Aaron Fox guy. I, I'm super biased in this discussion here. And I just think like, you can also make the argument against SGA for the fact that he had to do more so his numbers are more inflated, right? Like Fox mm-hmm. didn't have to do quite as much because he has Sabonis. He has a better yep. team around him. So I think that's the other side of that coin. Um, I would prefer Fox, but I'm not going to fight you. If, if like if this is the hill I need to die on, if I only can die on one hill in this yeah. list-making exercise, I'm not going to die on this hill. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'll roll with Fox because I, I do think winning's important when you look at that first team All-NBA. They've been consistently in that 2-3 seed. It's pretty amazing what they've done in Sacramento. So let's go Fox for that second first team spot. So it's going to be Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox. This should be pretty easy here. Forwards, it's Tatum and Giannis. I don't even think yep. there's a ton that we need to discuss. The only thing that I can can really think of, and we'll talk about Giannis in you know the MVP talk here in a little bit, so I won't go too much into it. But, you know, Jason Tatum, man, he set the franchise record for points per game 
30.1. First Celtic to ever score over 30 points per game. Finished just shy of nine rebounds. Like the year that Tatum had, the fact that he's such a distant fourth in the MVP discussions, it's mm-hmm. pretty mind blowing. But like I said, he was the guy that from the first quarter all the way through the end of the season, he's been very consistently. He's first team all NBA. This is, I don't want to say the new Jason Tatum, but this is the new expectations of Jason Tatum is that you're in this grouping. You're you're no longer mm-hmm. like, is he a part of the Embiid, Jokic, Curry, Durant? No, no, he's in there. That's That's been confirmed. That's laid to bed. Like that is where Jason Tatum is. And so for him to get, you know, back-to-back first team, likely first team, all NBAs, back-to-back top five MVP finishes, that is an extreme validation of where he is in the hierarchy of the NBA. Yeah. And I mean, there's also something to be said that like the guys coming for that spot just didn't play a lot of games this year. Like that's LeBron, that's KD, that's Kawhi, right? So those guys, any other year, maybe they're fighting for that first team mm-hmm. on NBA. But like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt this year. He probably sneaks his way into that first team on NBA just because Tatum didn't quite keep it going as much as we hoped he would this year. He was amazing. Best I've ever seen Jason Tatum play. Yeah. But Kevin Durant's that good. You know, like there's that possibility. But Durant got hurt. And got Jason hurt. Tatum has happens. been freaking awesome. And he played yeah. 70, was it 73 or 74 games here? I'm looking for 74 games. So well over yeah. Even if we're looking ahead to next year, and he played with a freaking hurt wrist all year. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum just deserves his flowers here. So I wanted to make sure we spend a minute on that. We'll talk more about Giannis later. He's Giannis. We we know the deal. Uh, Let's go to the let's go to the final center spot here, and this is probably going to tell us a lot about what we think about the MVP race as well. Uh, I went with Embiid here on the first team over Jokic. What did you go with? Yeah. Same thing. Embiid. Yeah. It, yeah. It feels like, you know, just it, it wasn't a super strong end of the season for Nikola Jokic. And especially when you mix that with the Nuggets struggles, like, no, I don't think anyone feels super good about the Nuggets going into the playoffs right now. You recognize that they're that they're, you know, the West is just a mess. And so, of course, they have a chance. But I think there's a lot more people that are looking at the Suns, the Warriors, even the Lakers in the play in as mm-hmm. ah, man if, if they go up against the nuggets I'm, i might pick you know those teams that are in the four six and seven spots respectively and that says a lot about you know nicole Jokic to a certain degree just that you don't feel great about a guy so i i can't put him above whereas Embiid, you know we've talked about the sixers and their faults all of that sometimes doesn't matter when he does what he did against the celtics a week or so ago like he just can do stuff like that and that's what leaves you saying you know, I'm glad we have home court at least in that second round because if we do come mm-hmm. up against them, I, I want that. I want him to have to do that in the garden and not be allowed to do that at home in front of the Philly fans. Yeah, and also they're going up against the Nets the first round. Like, I don't feel great about Philly going into the playoffs, to be honest with you, but it has nothing to do with Embiid. It is just like yeah. with the team itself. Same thing how I feel about the Nuggets. It has nothing to do with Jokic. Um, it's just like everything surrounding him. If they were going up against... Um, I don't know the heat. I, th- I still feel like I'd pick them. It's just like the play in tournament teams for the Eastern conference, not as good as the play in tournament teams for the Western conference, yeah. right? The bottom of the West is probably better than the bottom of the East. So, um, yeah, I, I think Embiid deserves it. Jokic had a great season. He's going to be on both of our second teams. Shout out to Jokic. Let's go on to second team though. All right, let's knock this out here with the second team. So we're going to know two guys that are already on here, but let me give you the averages coming into this of what it would have been based on that scoring system. So the backcourt would have been Steph Curry and John Morant. Hmm. 
the forward spots, KD still would have got one of the four got one of the forward spots based on the point scoring system. And then the second forward spot was a dead heat between Jalen Brown and LeBron James. So it would have been one of them on the second team. One of them would have had to get moved down to that third team. And then Embiid would have got the second center spot based on our averages. So with that, Curry and Ja, they got the second team spots based on the averages. Who did you go with for your second team here? Well, we know SGA is going to get one of the spots here. So who's the other guy that we got? My other guard is Drew Holiday. I went with Holiday. SGA okay. and Drew Holiday. Um, same same idea, you know, the Bucks being the best team in the league, um, in a pretty stacked league, to be honest with you, without Chris Middleton. Like, same argument can go about Giannis doing it without Middleton. Drew did it without Middleton, too. He mm-hmm. had to take on a lot more um, of a scoring load, primary creator mode. I mean, you know, I think he's the best defensive guard in basketball. So when I think back on this season with Middleton being out and Holiday continuing to bring his game to another level and the Bucks having the season that they did, he he gets that spot. If, you know, once again, there are other guys that could have taken this spot if they had just played more games or been healthier or just like not stopped playing at the end of the season, mm-hmm. Dame Willard, you know, like it's not his fault, but it kind of yeah. is his fault. If he really wanted it, if he was like, you know what, I really want an NBA, he could have just forced his way to keep playing. If he really or if wanted it, to. Or, or if he was just, if his team was just better, if he, I mean, he did a lot, True. but didn't do enough. Like that's just, that's just yeah. kind of the, you know, sad. And like they're not a good it. team, but they don't. It's not like they have nobodies on that team. They especially have especially before talent. when, especially when they didn't. They had Josh Hart before the trade deadline. They had a few more pieces yeah. that were in there. They the trade. I mean, Gary Payton got hurt, but they, you know, they had more, more, more talent than what they were showing. And then they just, you know, they tucked it away early, ma- trying to make a, a last minute Wemby run. So it is what it is. It's going to hurt Dame, and that's just the truth. So for this other guard spot. This is where we're going to have probably a little bit of contention because I think this might be the hill that I choose to die on. If we're going to say 55 games is the cutoff, it's got to be Steph Curry for me. He played 56 games. So if the cutoff's the cutoffs, like that's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So if it's 55 games, which we both kind of went which we both went with, he's averaging 29.4 points, six rebounds, 6.3 assists. Basically 50, 40, 90, missed it by percentage points. If that's, oh no, well, yeah, yeah, no, just about a little bit less. Yeah, just missed it by percentage points, actually. 49, <laughs> sorry. You got to do I'm, math I'm, twice on a pod? Well, it's too much I've, math. I've, for you. I've got too many tabs open, too many tabs open here. Shot 49.3%. So missed it by 0.7%. Okay, yeah. Shot 42.7 from three, 91.5% from the line. The Warriors, when he came back at the end of the season, were able to get out of the play and all the way out of the play and secured themselves in that sixth spot and now have themselves a path of potentially, you know, Kings, Grizz, and or Lakers to get to the Western Conference Finals. For me, this is this is one where I, I think Drew Holiday's had an awesome year. Steph Curry, I mean, he's if he has what, four more games? I don't even think it's a question. So I, I think for me, this, this, this should be Steph Curry in the second team spot. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to argue like drew holiday over Steph Curry in a vacuum. But when you look at just like the warriors shitstorm that was this year, like that's kind of what it came down to for me. Is but that like, wasn't him. Like that's Draymond pool. Like, I mean, he's, he's on the team where it's happening. I, like, I get it. I get it. Up. I get it. And Steph would never be the reason for that because he's Steph and he's the model of yeah. consistency and he's like the perfect NBA superstar to have to build your franchise around. But the Warriors were still not good this year. Like they made a late run. They're out of the plane, which like props to them. But when I'm looking back on this season, like, am I going to remember Steph Curry this year? Or am I going to remember Drew Holiday? Maybe it's silly to say I remember Drew Holiday more than Steph Curry, but like Steph kind of had like a eh, year. Like it was great. The numbers are awesome. The numbers are awesome. 
But like, how many times were you like, oh, damn, Steph Curry is like carrying the Warriors back to prominence? Like, it didn't really happen. He had like a couple, like, it was very inconsistent, the games where Steph carried them to victory. Like, there were multiple games this year where Steph did great, did everything he could, and they still lost. You know, and maybe that's the fact that Wiggins didn't play. There's a lot of extenuating mm-hmm. circumstances. Yeah. I'm not going to fight you on that, though. Like, I agree. If if this is the hill that you want to die on, if we all get one hill to die on, if you want to put Steph on the second team, I won't fight you on that as long as Drew Holiday gets a spot on one of our teams. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the third team. Because the third team is where I think it gets really interesting. And so we'll, we'll have to have some conver- conversations about that. But I think I'm going to be a lot more lenient in that category. So I'm going to take Curry here. So we're going to put SGA and Curry as our backcourt here okay. on the second team. That's the official Greenwood then be backcourt for the second team. We'll lock that in. Looking to the forward spot. So this is interesting here. So like I said, KD and Jalen Brown slash LeBron James was the averages that came out. Mm-hmm. KD, we talked about, he's not going to be on here. He played 47 games, kept getting hurt. It's just it's just not going to be. So for my forwards that I have here, I've got our guy JB. I've got JB on the second team, and I've got Jimmy Butler on the second team. Double JB. Um, yeah. I, I have LeBron. So I have Jalen okay. and LeBron. Um, Jalen, I think same, same argument for why I think the Bucks need to be top heavy here in the NBA. Same thing for the Celtics. Celtics were the team in basketball this year, other than the Bucks. So mm-hmm. I think both of those guys deserve, um, NBA spots first and second team. And then I had to make a decision on a Laker because I think that a Laker needed to be on here, whether it's Davis or LeBron, just because they're both that damn good. Um, I needed to have some other uh I needed to have another center on the third team so I couldn't put AD there. I didn't think he deserved it over this other center, but I felt yeah. like I still needed a Laker on there. So I went with LeBron and it was between LeBron and Jimmy Butler and end of the day I just asked myself who would I rather have on my team, LeBron or Jimmy Butler and the answer was LeBron. Yeah, I mean I think this is a little bit like, you know, similar to the to the Steph and Drew thing, right? Like Drew not undeserving of that second team, but who would you rather have? The answer is going to be Steph. So, for me it was also I went back and forth, you know, it was pretty much a coin toss of Jimmy Butler versus versus LeBron leaned into Jimmy playing a little a little bit more, but like I just said to my own counter argument, like if we're saying 55 games is a line, LeBron hit 55 games and it's LeBron. So, I I think I'm cool with going LeBron here. I was pretty close to putting him on my okay. second team choice as it was. And then that leaves us with Nikola Jokic getting that getting that final center spot. So that makes the second team SGA, Curry, Jalen Brown, money bags. If you're hearing that in the background now, that's just, just ka-ching. That's just <laughs> money bags for Jalen Brown, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic. So with that, let's take a quick break here, Greg. And when we come back, we'll do uh, we'll do our third team. All right, moving on to the third team, and this is where it's going to get a little, I don't want to say contentious, because it's its not contentious, but I think this is going to be some differences here, and we're going to have to sort out what we think is, is the right play. So once again, let's go back to the averages of the first three quarters of our running all-NBA teams that we've been doing here. Based on the point system, the backcourt would have been SGA and Devin Booker which is really mm. interesting. And I think that just is a, is more a testament to how many guys were on this long list that at different points fell into that third or second team category. So mm-hmm. Devin Booker gets that second spot. Didn't play enough games. 
yeah, he won't be on this list for for either of us. He fell a little bit short of that of that mark, so he won't be on here. Uh, the forward spot once again, Jalen Brown and LeBron tied the second team, so one of those guys would have been on this third team. Surprisingly, Zion would have been the second and final member of the uh, for forward spot here on the third team, and then mm-hmm. I think the guy who's probably going to end up our center anyways, Demontis Sabonis. What yeah. would have been the third team center? So, so, so basically, we know that we have Sabonis and Jimmy Butler on this team. Yep, they're already on there. So it's the other three okay. spots that we're looking at. So let's start in the backcourt here, and this is where I think we're pr- based off what you've laid out as your terms. I'm pretty sure the two guys I have on here, you're not going to have based on your description, and that's John Morant and Luka Doncic. Yeah, yeah, they're both off. Both yeah. off. Get him out of here. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want anything to do with either of those guys this year. And I can't. I and that, listen. I I thought about it. I mean, Luca was so. I said Jason Tatum had the you know was the only person to have a perfect score. Luca was second at twenty eight points as far mm-hmm. as you know those first three quarters and adding up everything. That's how bad this last part of the season has been for the Dallas Mavericks and for Luca, who like you know we talked about. You know, I kind of separated Steph from some of the Warriors' issues. Luke is directly involved in a lot of the Mavericks' issues. Like, his body language yeah. has stuck. Oh like he's, God, he's, I mean, the, I mean, the defense has never been good, but it's been even worse. But listen, you, know? you can always excuse Luka's defense and his laziness when he's such a dynamo on offense and he's leading his team to 50 victories every year. He didn't do it yeah. this year. Yeah. That defense is awful. So if you're if we can't make that excuse for him anymore because his team sucked. Then if his team sucks, it's 100% his fault. It's Luka Doncic's fault. If he's a superstar that he, everybody says he is, that team does not fall out of the play-in. They don't need to win 50 games, but they need to be in the fucking play-in. Yeah, you got to get to 45, 46 wins, you know, it's wh- ridiculous. Wh- whatever it is. So is. I'd be fucking furious if I was a Mavs fan. It can't feel good. It cannot. That, that has to be. And the thing is, I don't know. I mean, I was listening a little bit to, to Simmons and Russell. I didn't listen to their awards take yet because I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, I wanted to have my own fresh thoughts going into this. But like they 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 just tank themselves out of the play in slash playoffs to get the tenth pick, maybe to maybe get the tenth eleventh pick. Like, is that going to solve your problems? Maybe, but also you know, maybe like leapfrog. I mean, yeah, there's that little little chance of of that happening. But I mean, my point being, it's sad that you have a guy that is widely considered a top five player in the league, and that's where your season came to. And that has mm-hmm. to be, to your point, a bit of a reflection. On him. What's the quote from Remember the Titans you were watching the other day? Uh, leadership. Oh, uh, Go ahead. I can't remember. What uh, it is. No, uh, I, I can't remember. Attitude is a reflection of leadership. I think that's what something it is. like Re- that. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's that's Luca right now, and it ain't looking good. Yeah. It ain't looking good. So that's him. So shout out Julius so, Campbell. Yeah. So so I did have Luca on there, and then I had Ja, which we know the Ja situation. Here's the thing on court, Luca. I think I think I am going to be okay with leaving him off if we decide to go that route. Ja, it's tough because he he absolutely defines the distraction off the court. On the court, his team is pretty freaking awesome, though. And I know that they're missing they're they're like going into the postseason, they're missing some big guys. So that's gonna really hurt them, especially if they're gonna get that Lakers matchup. They're gonna they would have really needed to have Steven Adams. But the, the team on the court has been solidly the number two seed basically all year. John ja Morant statistically has had one of the best seasons of his career, probably the best season of his career. And that's the part where I, I just I don't know that I feel 
right leaving him off altogether but he has been a massive distraction he's got a lot of issues that i think right now are, are probably going to you know for those that actually have real votes it feels like it's going to make a big big difference and he might miss all these teams together but just on the court i feel like he's a guy that would have been probably pretty easy first or second team for me if it wasn't for all of that off court stuff but it was there so I don't know. It's it, it, it's it, it's tough to justify, but but tell me who you had. So that we we know I had John Luca, who are definitely massive question marks. We know Drew Holiday's one guy that you're fighting mm-hmm. for. But you had him on your second team, but who are the other two guys that are at least in contention here? Um. So I had so Drew and then Steph. So initially I had Steph on my third team, right? But okay. Steph's now on our second team. Um. But Jalen Brunson. So yeah. I would have Drew Holiday and Jalen Brunson here. And I would leave off John Morant. I'd leave off Luca. It's just like there are other guys that ha- are having such spectacular seasons. If there are enough like black marks against you in this season, mm-hmm. just there's always next year. But the league is so deep, and there are so many guys having unbelievable years. Like I'm gonna give it to Jalen Brunson for transforming the Knicks over giving it to John Morant for almost derailing the Grizzlies. You know what I mean? Like they're they're both just as good. There's an argument. Like we all think Ja is this superstar right because there's more evidence that he is a superstar but like we just saw a whole season of Jalen Brunson being a superstar we saw Jalen Brunson be amazing in last year's playoffs so like fast forward 18 months maybe it's not so crazy to say Jalen Brunson's on the same level as John Moran it's just like this is the first year that we're like starting to have that conversation so it's easy for people to be like oh you're fucking stupid John Moran's so much better than Jalen Brunson it's like yeah he, he has been but like maybe Jalen Brunson, this maybe these playoffs he outduels Donovan Mitchell. Maybe in the second round he like goes up against the against the Bucks and like goes head to head with Giannis and Drew. You know, there's all these things that could happen. I like Jalen Brunson a lot. Um, if I have to die on a hill for this, Drew Holiday has to be on one of my teams. So I'm gonna make you pick between John Morant and Jalen Brunson. I already wrote it down. I'm, I'm happy to go with Drew and Brunson. We're going with Drew Holiday and Jalen Brunson. Like I'm, I'm not going to fight you on it because I just, I just, I, I don't have the energy to fight for all the shit that that John Morant has has done this season. Because I don't think you're wrong. Like I, like it's everything that you said is very accurate. And part of the reason I wrote Jalen Brunson down at one point. So I, if I was choosing between Brunson and Drew, I would have actually leaned Jalen Brunson a little bit because I think the Knicks need someone on here. But as we get to the forwards, I, I didn't feel good about having two Knicks. I don't mind having two Kings. I don't mind having two Celtics. Mm. Uh, I, if we leave Drew on, that's going to put us with two bucks. I'm totally fine with that. I mean, Drew was right there in the mix. Like, Drew was was on the the cut line, you know, for me in this mix. But I do think Brunson is the is the main catalyst behind the Knicks, you know, rejuvenation. And even when Randall's gone down over the last couple of weeks, you've seen Brunson have a 48 point game against the Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. where they're playing in the first round. That's probably the one of the most exciting first round matches. It's the only really East one that has a ton of major appeal, uh, you know, outside of whatever team that you're you're rooting for. I just think that's going to be an unreal series, probably six or seven games. It's going to be really fun to watch. And Jalen Brunson's been awesome, man. I've been a big fan of Jalen Brunson all year, so I'm cool with that. Let's go Drew Holiday. Let's go Jalen Brunson. Sorry, Ja. Sorry, Luca. You'll be back next year. Y'all will have first, second teams in your future. So uh, I'm okay with that. That's going to be our backcourt on the official GWE list here. Let's go to the forwards. So the averages gave us some combo of Jalen Brown, LeBron, and Zion. Jalen Brown, LeBron, we've already put him on the second team. So who do you got here in these third spots? Because one of mine was on my personal list was LeBron. He's already on there. We know Jimmy is getting one mm-hmm. of these spots. So I'm putting Jimmy down now. And then the other guy that I had here, I had Julius Randle, which I'm open to being talked out of because I was debating between him and Jalen Brunson. 
And I feel like Jalen Brunson is the reason that Julius Randle is even on this list. So I would prefer mm-hmm. to lean Jalen Brunson over Julius Randle. But if you also have Julius Randle, he might just be the choice here. Who do you got? I don't because I felt like there needed to be a Grizzly on here. And I know I thought it was ridiculous early in the season to say Triple J. But when okay. I when I kicked Jaw off, I was like, I need a Grizzly on here. And I looked into Triple J's stats and I looked into how many games he played, the defensive impact that he has, and like the development of him on offense. Like I didn't think he had this in his offensive game, what he's shown over the last couple months of the season. So I have him here. I'm open to being talked out of it, but I when you know when I was setting my criteria, I was like, how can I not have one member of the number two seed in the West on one of these teams? So like, although I don't feel great about Triple J yeah. being on it, I felt like I needed to have one of the Grizzlies on it. So he almost makes it just because of team success. We almost have like inverse reasonings here, right? I left Brunson off because I was going to put Randall. I put Jar on because I needed a Grizzly on, and so mm-hmm. we're we're almost just flipping this around. So I don't have I, – I, I'm okay with – he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. So having your Defensive Player of the Year, he got his first All-Star nod. Like you said, the Grizzlies need some representation. So if we're taking Brunson over Ja, I like your reasoning, and I'm okay with going Triple J here. I think okay. that this last this forward spot is is a little bit up in the air. Like I do think Julius Randle's had a really good year. But once again, I think Brunson is the reason for Julius Randle having such a great year. So I – you know, and Randle got the All-Star nod. I would like to see Brunson get some type of acknowledgement. So I'm okay with that. Lowry Markkinen was in consideration. I mean, he's going to, I think he's the most improved player. I don't think he should be on an all NBA team. He's good. It's a really nice story. Great job by the Jazz, Danny Ainge, all that. And then you look at other guys that would be a consideration. Like, man, the, the Raptors are just whimpering out of the playoffs right now, out of the, the play and can't feel good about them. So Pascal, I think he's had a good year, but I, I don't feel, you know, I, I don't feel like super strong conviction to put him on here. Same with DeRozan, same with Levine. You know, Kawhi is a guy I thought about for a second because he has had a nice second half of the year, didn't play enough games. He was at, let's see, he's at 52 games, so he's not at enough. And then really the only other thing that we could do here, and this would be the one debate, I guess, that we we could have, and you mentioned it before, Anthony Davis and, and Jaron Jackson. But mm-hmm. I think Anthony Davis has mostly been a center. Jaron Jackson was playing with Steven Adams and with, you know, Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman. So I, I, I think Triple J is the call here. Yeah, I agree. Great reasoning. I feel like we're channeling our uh, inner Sonny Vaccaro, our Matt Damon and Sonny Vaccaro with these with these impassioned pleas today after we watched that movie last night. That was a great movie, by the way. Great, great movie. Loved it. Uh, the David Fott character really stole it for me uh, with, <laughs> with with his phone calls. I thought that was hilarious. I'm still thinking about that today. Looked up the actor's name. Shout out to Chris Messina. Uh, he really kills it. Y'all should definitely go see Air. All right. So we think we got our three lists here. Let me run through them here real quick. First team All-NBA, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Second team, SGA, Steph Curry, Jalen Brown, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Third team, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brunson, Jimmy Butler, Jaron Jackson Jr., and DeMontis Sabonis. We locking that in? Lock it in. Lock, Lock it, it in, that, baby. To me, that's what defines this season right there. I know we don't have the – not every team has the most talented player. Right. But they have Mm -hmm. the guys that deserve the spot this year. Love it. That is the official GWE all NBA team. While we're here, Greg, let's run through some of these other single awards here. We'll do it real quick. We'll do a rapid fire. We've been keeping track of MVP, but, but honestly, this lost a little bit of steam. It really just came down to, for me, 
the if we're looking at the top five, Jokic to me fell to third towards the end of the season. So it was between Giannis and MB. Like I said, Tatum, he's a pretty clear cut fourth. Real quick, who, if you had to pick a fifth person, because I'm assuming you would also go Jokic at three, Tatum at four. Mm-hmm. Who would you put fifth? I put I put three possibilities of guy of people that I think would go here. I would lean Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, the Kings guys are in the mix, and SGA are in the mix, and but yeah. I would lean Donovan Mitchell as that fifth spot. I'd go Mitchell. Okay, I'd go Mitchell. So so that's yeah. so Mitchell at five, Tatum at four, Jokic at three. Who you got at two? Um, Jokic at three. I'm gonna go. I haven't given this much thought. I didn't know we were gonna do MVP today. Um, I'm gonna go with. Giannis two and bead one and bead one. It was a toss up between the two of them. I, I, I have a toss up. I have it literally written down as toss up. I couldn't really figure out who to go with. It was kind of the LeBron Curry debates that we had in the all NBA. I think I'd rather have Giannis than Embiid as much as I love Embiid and think Embiid's amazing, but you can't go wrong with either of those guys. So if either of them walk away with the award, I think job well done. And it, it, it I don't think it should go to Jokic at this point. I think it should be an Embiid Giannis race. And it feels like it's probably going to go to Joel Embiid. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. All right. Last ones. Just one word answer. Six man of the year. Malcolm Brogdon. Got it. Coach of the year. Mike Brown. Yep. Same here. We're on the same page here. Defensive player of the year. Triple J. Haven't decided yet. Still up in the air on that. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm okay with Triple J, but I, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to reevaluate that. All right, we'll circle back. Most improved player. This is where I put Larry Markkinen. Mm, I got I got SGA here. Okay, I think those are the two two right answers. Nothing wrong there. And then finally, our guy from the Orlando Magic, Rookie of the Year, Paolo Bancaro. Got to be Paolo. Got to be yeah. Paolo. But who is coming for the Player of the Class Belt Year Two? That's Jalen Williams. Know. That's who. Jalen Williams is coming. Jalen Williams, up. Chet Holmgren. We got a lot. We got a lot. We'll circle back to the the rookie of the year belt. That'll be a topic for another day. But that's going to do it for our end of the season awards. It has been a hell of a season. It's on to the postseason. Celtics heat. A lot more coverage. Or Celtics potentially heat. We're recording this earlier in the week. I'm already being presumptive here. So we'll see. More Celtics coverage coming your way here in just a little bit. But that's going to do it for this episode. Greg, let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Yano Drill, Black Sheep Optimist, Skywalk in. Peace, everybody. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be cash your feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that she wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope You should know that that embodied that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now, but the won't It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.